going to go ahead and read that passage, and I'm going to have Matthew come on up and read the passage for us. And if you want to put up the slide there, Ryan, no, not that one. No, that's the end one. It's the one with Matthew. Chapter 7. You know, it's funny. The sound people only get noticed when something goes wrong. That's the trouble. Okay. Well, go ahead and read that passage for me, my friend. Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine but does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was that fall, the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Thank you, Matthew. That's the word of the Lord to us. Okay, well, for a number of months, we've been going through what's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is in Matthew's Gospel. We're at the end of chapter 7, where Jesus is literally finishing up the sayings uh, in this sermon. And this is being spoken to a countless amount of disciples, who are disciples simply means followers. They're following Jesus. And we don't know what the number was, but it was large, and it was around the northern end of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. And his words here at the end of the chapter are probably some of the most radical ones that they had heard up to this point, even after hearing some really incredible radical teaching that Jesus had spoken in this Sermon on the Mount. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to some of these messages uh, we have them on our website, and you can go back and pick out certain scriptures you might have missed and go ahead and listen to those, um, uh, being able to go back. But last week, Brian, in his message, Pastor Brian, went over some of these radical things, and so I'd like to sort of, uh, kind of as a segue, because the end of this passage that we're reading here at the Sermon on the Mount kind of dovetails with that. And so at the end of what Brian was going over, um, Jesus was talking about not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Away from me, you evildoers. And, and you know, obviously, heavy words. Heavy, heavy words. But basically, out of that, Pastor Brian was sharing that Jesus is setting himself up as the final judge and actually taking a place of God in the sense of making final decisions in people's lives. And so, moving into this passage that Matthew just read, there's really two truths that stand out in this passage that I'd like to look at this morning in our limited time. 
And the first being that authority. Jesus is claiming here that he has ultimate authority. And so, notice when, when he said that I say, and at the end when the people were finished listening to Jesus, they, they notated, and let me reread that, it says, when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. So there was such power in what he said that it carried weight with the hearers who heard these words. And so in that sense, as you see the first slide up there, if, we're, if just in case we're missing what Jesus is saying, later on in Matthew's account, and also in Luke's account of Jesus' words, Jesus clearly states, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Now, that's, that's radical. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. I mean, you look at this entire creation, and at night when the lights are gone, you can see all the stars and the planets and the moon, and you realize Jesus is saying, this will all pass away but what I say will never pass away. That's basically equating himself with God. Now that causes us to come to a decision. Either Jesus is a lunatic, as a mere man, he's a lunatic, or there's some deception going on here, or he's being truthful. We have to come to that conclusion and decision. And so... The fact that we see Jesus having weight with what he says and claiming to be this, we also need to see a bigger picture here as well because it brings to mind that what he is saying is connecting to what God said to the Israelites centuries ago in the book of Deuteronomy when he spoke to them, to the Israelites, where Moses was, about listening to his word. To, his, to God's word. And Jesus is equating himself with God, with his authority to be speak and also to be listened to. And to expand on this idea of hearing and really listening to God and Jesus, we want to look at a Bible project video that describes this Hebrew term, Shema, which really means to hear or to listen. So, Hopefully, we've got that video up and ready to run, and let's go ahead and play that video. Thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now, the first word of the Shema is hear or listen, which in Hebrew is pronounced Shema. That's where the prayer gets its name. Now, Shema is a really common word in the Hebrew Bible, and it's obvious why. Hearing is a very universal activity. It's usually connected with the ear, as in Proverbs chapter 20, ears that Shema and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. Now, that seems basic enough, but if you look at the other ways that Hebrew authors can use the word Shema, they use it to mean more than just let sound waves enter your ear. In Hebrew, Shema can also mean pay attention to or focus on. 
So when Leah, who wasn't loved by her husband Jacob, she has a son and she names him Simon or in Hebrew, Shimon, because she says the Lord has Shamad that I am unloved. So Shema means to hear and to pay attention to and even more. It can also mean responding to what you hear. This is why so many of the cries for help in the book of Psalms begin with a call that God listen. Psalm 27 verse 7, Shema my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful, answer me. So asking God to Shema is at the same time asking God to act, to do something. It's similar to when God asks people to listen. Like when the people of Israel come to Mount Sinai, God says, If you Shema me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Now, there's a couple interesting things about this verse in Exodus. In Hebrew, the word Shema is repeated twice in this sentence to give it emphasis. If you Shema Shema, meaning listen closely. But also notice that from God's point of view, listening is basically the same as keeping the covenant. So when God asks the people to Shema, what he means is that they listen and obey. And that's the last fascinating thing about Shema. In ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey, meaning to carry out the wishes of someone who knows better than you or is in authority over you. So in the Bible, if you want to say, I will listen and do what you say, you use the single word Shema. In Hebrew, listening and doing are two sides of the same coin. This is why later in Israel's history, when the people were breaking their covenant promises to God, the Hebrew prophets would say things like, they have ears, but they're not listening. The Israelites, of course, could hear just fine, but they weren't actually listening or else they would act differently. And so in the end, listening in the Bible is about giving respect to the one speaking to you and doing what they say. Real listening takes effort and action. And that's the Hebrew word Shema. So, in essence, really hearing is doing. How many parents in this room? When do you know your children have really heard you? And hopefully you grab their heart to do it and not they're not doing it because they're being constrained to do it, but inside they're going, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's what God really wants to do with us. He doesn't just want mere external compliance, but he wants our hearts. He wants it to be a loving relationship that trusts in his greater authority and listens and does because it comes from the heart. We'll kind of look at that a little bit. So... If we read in this text, one of the truths that becomes really quite apparent is two homes and two foundations. I believe it'd be helpful to describe this picture that Jesus is talking about when he's using the term home here. Because a home here signifies our life, our, our work career, our uh, family, our friendships our possessions, our hopes, our dreams, etc. Um, while that's the external home that can be seen, the foundation of what the home sits on is always hidden, right? It's a foundation's worth is only shown when the structure is stressed. 
It's the seen versus the unseen. And within our social structure, it seems that we give greater attention or value to what can be seen. It seems more important that image is maintained rather than the maintenance of what's going on deep inside. I mean, would, is that a plausible proposition? Thank you. Let's go to the next slide. So, oops, go back one. Sorry. So we're going to look at two homes, two foundations, where similarities are in this, what are the differences with this, and what are some of the outcomes or consequences. Um, So let's go to the next slide and let's look at some of the similarities here. Both of the home builders heard what Jesus said. But that simply meant that the auditory faculties perceived the sound, the sound waves. That's really the only similarity there. Secondly, they both saw the need to build a place to live in. We're always building something into our lives, correct? We're always seeing a need to build, whether it's a small project or large renovation going on, where we're building something into our lives, our lives as a home being built upon. But notice it says both homes were exposed to storms. Notice that Jesus says when and not if the ravaging storms come. Heavy water, flooding, ferocious winds, all beating against both homes. Now, when we really look at how we live on the Central Coast, living here, it's easy not to hear Jesus' warnings in this passage. And this is a heavy passage, make no doubt about it. But living here makes it sometimes hard to hear. And I think we really need to pay attention. The truth is, though, these ravaging storms come many times when we least expect it. Obviously, when we live in this area, it, it's so bucolic, it's so wonderful, it's so peaceful, it's, you know, there's a lot of things. But we never expect a ravaging storm to come. It catches us many times unaware. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, we have some dear friends called the Whitakers that have lived here on the Central Coast for many, many years. And one of their sons was recently killed by a drunk driver. He was the pastor out at the Presbyterian Church in, uh, was it, is it Morro Bay or is it Los Osos, Vicky? Morro Bay. He, he, he had literally that Sunday given his last message because he was retiring and turning the church over to another pastor. And his last message was how to work through adversity with God. And that night he was walking and was killed by a drunk driver. Again, unseen, unknown. Uh, my dentist, uh, when I went to go get my teeth worked on, he was talking about his brother and family that lives up in Paradise, California. And literally his brother had a thriving business, had a rental home, had his own home, and lost everything. And barely, they barely managed to get out just with their lives. And now, they're refugees. They're, they have no business, no means of support, and no home. 
And so I share those stories in the sense that we have to understand why foundation is so important to our homes. Because let's look at the next slide. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Both builders lived securely in their homes. They both felt secure, but for different reasons. That's what's really important. We all seek security. Let, let's be straight about that. We all seek security. However, Jesus is really here revealing the basis for what true security is. And there's the difference. So, now let's go ahead and look at the differences. And I'm just going to look at three differences, just for time's sake. But the first being their true character. And it can take us as humans a little bit of while to see the difference between a wise person and a foolish person, but not from God's viewpoint. Because by God's standard, he says in his word, a wise person is someone who's humble, able to receive correction, looks for instruction, and that's just a few qualities. Whereas a foolish person is wise in their own estimation, he says in the Bible. They trust in themselves or in humankind's ultimate achievements. And so there's the difference between the characters of these two individuals. In their practice, they only, one only heard while the other listened and obeyed. And I think in practice for us, as well as the hearers of Jesus here, which voices are we really listening to, I think is an important question. Because in our lives, there are many voices vying for our attention. Whether it's the, the media site, profile pages, work, friends, acquaintances, family, etc. Jesus states his words mean our future. And whether our homes or houses will stand. It's a decision that's being asked for from us to him. And that's really crucial. Can we have ears that hear the important voices and then the other voices take a secondary place? That's, I, I think that's a, a valid decision. And thirdly, in their judgments of the foundation, there was a huge difference. The wise man allowed a greater authority to inspect his foundation. Whereas the foolish man made his own decision on the foundation of his home. Again, heavy, but necessary. So, let's go to the next slide. So, what's the outcomes for both builders? What are the consequences? And we can really clearly see that it gives us a heart and a mind to make a clear decision. First, the wise. The occupant in the safe house is in no real danger. Now, sure, whenever a ravaging storm comes, you may lose a few shingles. You may have a tree that falls in and caves in part of your room, but you can rebuild. And so it's never really fully destroyed. Now, I, you, I know the analogy can only go so far, but this is what Jesus is saying. Because really, as he's the builder of our home and builds the foundation by obedience to him, 
He is a great healer. He can repair. He can build us back up. He can rebuild our lives, in a sense, our homes. Secondly, the wise man, he or she, lives in peace and security because of whom they trust. When the raging storm comes, guys, it's really our human nature to retreat to the things that we've built into our lives. Would you agree with that? And in the case of the wise person, because they trusted in someone other than themselves, there's a peace and security that comes from a life of obedience entrusted to him because of his love. And thirdly, the occupant in his home has a home that lasts forever. That's, a, that's the big key here. That's a big key. Because it's not only a life that's built now with all the things that we build our lives in, but it's also the promise of life to come that that home's preserved because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and promising a home with him. That's incredible to me. Now for the foolish one. The fallen, I need to look at here, it's too far away for me to see. The fallen house involves the eternal ruin of the occupant. It's the destruction of a fondly cherished hopes and dreams that happens to this foolish man. And finally, it's a fall that's total and irreparable forever. That's what Jesus is contrasting here. And again, I realize it's Thanksgiving weekend. And I realize that this is, these are heavy words, but if we fail to understand the depth and the weight of that, we can make unwise decisions. Now, if we just ended here, what Jesus lands on, it can be really depressing and down. You feel a little bit of weight and like, oh, glad I came to church today. But it's obvious from the rest of Scripture that we have practical ways to find a place of wisdom, power, and the ability to build that's through a life of obedience. Any of you children know what the, just children, 17 and under, what's the longest psalm in the Bible? Yes! Out of the mouth of babes, prompted by their father, who speaks wisdom. That's great. Psalm 119 talks about what God says, his decisions or judgments, his decrees, his laws, his commands, his ordinances. It's the longest poem or song that's in the entire book of Psalms. And it revolves around what happens in that and how we integrate with God what God says and commands. It's incredible that when we can see this Psalm 119. And let me just read some of these passages. I just picked out a number of them. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Teach me your decrees, O Yahweh. I will keep them to the end. 
Give me understanding and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than the love of money. We can see by just these few verses that by asking, he comes and works in us a very nature to give us a heart to listen and do. Because Jesus, as our example, was the perfect example of a son or a child of God in the sense that he came unto the Father and obeyed. He listened because he had a relational heart to the Father that was totally in, in heartbeat with the Father. And he could follow and walk according to what the Father commanded him. And so if you look closely to this, that's our starting point. Because you can say, well, I'm not sure about my foundation. I, I don't know that I always obey. And we can start getting into, like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, into the minutia of how to externally do that. But this takes us to the place that we need to ask God. We need to ask Him to come under this place of, Lord, give me eyes to see, ears to hear. Give me a place to obey. And thus we begin to live that out. And so... Really, I, I think it comes down to this last word here. Today, if you hear his voice out of Hebrews 3. Today. Not what we did or didn't do yesterday. Not what we might do or might not do tomorrow. But today, if we hear his voice, can we soften and yield to that voice? Is really what this comes down to. And so there is where... We let God build the foundation as we just simply say, yes, Lord. That's the first place of obedience, isn't it? Yes, Lord. And then it's going out and doing it and learning how to do it. And God has control over that as well. So why don't we just, as much as we can, just real silently, if there's some of these verses, you can just pray. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to come to give us our heart before we move on. We're almost done here. Father, um, we're just looking to you. We need you, Jesus, and we want, to, we want to love you in a way that is honoring you by keeping your commandments. You, you said very clearly to us that if we do love you, we'll do what you say. And so with these words, Jesus, we just ask that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would change us and transform us. And that, Lord, we would be able to be wise rather than foolish. Thank you for your mercy over us, and um, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's, we're going to have a time now of doing something that's a little different. Um, obviously, we have communion in the back. Over here, if you'd like to take communion as a family, or if you've come with friends or your roommates, do that. Or if you just want to do it alone, that's fine.
but also we um, have, does every, did everyone get a thank you card handed out to you as an individual or a family? Is there anybody that didn't get a card handed to them when they came in? Okay. Do we have a couple extra cards? Maybe some of the ushers, maybe we can have them handed out. Just a thank you card. And um, if you need a pen, we've got some pens up here. And this is what we're going to do. Uh, whether you're with friends or family or just by yourself. Raise your hand high if you didn't get a card. There's one more back there as well. Back there along the, the soundboard there. What we're going to do is, you notice over there at the cross, we've got a bunch of strings hanging down. That's not normally our artistic work on the cross making some sort of esoteric statement. That There's a purpose behind that. What we'd like you to do is um, go ahead and write on the card as a family or together what you're thankful for and just write that down and then when you're done walk over to where the cross is and there's some clips on that little shelf there next to the right of the cross. There you go. Vanna, Vanna Matthew over there is doing that for us. And take that clip and clip the card to the string as a testimony that is, in a sense, we're saying, thank you, God, for what you've done or what you've given or what you're doing or what we hope you're going to do. Go ahead and just write that out now and um, share it together. Go as a group up there and, and maybe clip it to the string with the clip there. And if you need a pen, we've got some pens up here. So take a few minutes and do that. Okay, so those are going to hang there as a memorial, in a sense, for a while. A memorial to how good God is in our lives and how faithful He is. And that's a, that's a you know, remember in the, in the Bible sometimes you read about the Israelites putting together heaps of stone or certain places as a memorial to what God has done. And in a sense, that's sort of what we're doing, in a sense, the same way. And so it's really sweet to be able to going on and you can sign up